I'm Diane Gibbs. This is Design Recharge. And I love it when I can get to know people that come to Design Recharge. And I feel like I do know everybody who's in the chat right now, which is great. You guys, if you're not in the chat, you're watching this later. You can always come to the chat. It's later. It's great. Uh, or not later. You can come live is what I mean. Ah, but Naomi is somebody, she's a design recharger. We've had lunch together like this many times, and I'm really excited to have Naomi on. Naomi and I have had other conversations. She helped me with um, doing a, a story brand strategy on me. Now, Austin, he went to the Nashville, so he's he's already drinking the Kool-Aid. Him and I have Donald Miller conversations back and forth. Um, so there's some people you don't have to convince for sure. <laughs> You're in Portland. You've come to Design Recharge. I don't know how long we've known each other, but you did use this tool to help me, even though I'd already been through the, like the, the web or not, whatever. I spent a $2,000 on the workshop thing once COVID happened and they couldn't yeah. do it in Nashville. Um, and it, it super, was super helpful, but you helped me even after just help hone it in, which I appreciate you. I think you're brilliant and I love your story and I love that you are one of us. So I'm excited. We got two people from Ireland today. So Ashwin's here also, and Amy is here in Raleigh. So I'm glad We've got, and Mora's here from Raleigh also. So, and Van's here in Portland, who I want you two to be friends because yeah. you're both in Portland. <laughs> um, okay. So, I'm Naomi, always so amazed how you know where everyone is from. I just I, remember. I, um, bless. My brain is like unnecessary information. <laughs> well, but I don't have kids. You have lots of things like, when did they eat last? When did they yeah. poop? Uh, you know, these are other things. I that... have all that information if you need it. <laughs> I know you would. <laughs> so from last time you uh, you were on, I think, in a group one that we've done and you were building a baby or it was before you built her. Are you talking about my real baby or like a business baby? A, no, a real baby. <laughs> okay, you, have, yeah. you have had a baby <laughs> this year in 2021, yes, right? I have. Yeah, she's four months old now, which is so crazy to me. And She's a little go-getter. She's already trying to crawl, which is a little bit early. And a little like, slow <laughs> down. <laughs> she wants to keep up with her sister. Exactly. I'm pretty sure that's a huge influence on her. She's like, I see her running around. How do I get there? Like, let's go. <laughs> All right. So I want you to paint the picture of who, where you started in design and then how you, because we're going to get to this. What questions do you ask and how you channel that to get the question and, and solve the problems that you were having as just a designer without kind of a, a story brand framework. Yeah. Can you tell us who, like where, I know you're in Portland. Yeah. I'm in Portland. I'm. And you uh, went to school in Portland? I did. I went to school in Gresham technically, which is like the fourth largest city. It's a suburb of Portland. Um, but I just went to a community college for college because I hate school. Let's be honest. I mean, I, I grew up thinking like, however I experienced things the first time was just how everyone experiences things every time. So like when I went into college, I just assumed school was always going to just be sit down, listen to a lecture, like take notes, be bored out of your mind, leave and retain 10%. So, um, I was like, how do I get in, get out, be done. I don't want to be in school. So I went to a community college which just ended up being 
awesome anyways, even though I think there's some stigma around community colleges. It's what you um, put in, no matter where it is, it's what you put yeah. in. Well, I hope I not because I didn't put in it too much. I was a slacker still, but <laughs> I think I got out way more than I put in. But I actually found design in high school. I randomly like was working in the computer lab one day. I went to a very small, small school. Like my graduating class was 25 people. And um, in I, Portland, it was a it was a small private school. But in in Portland, it, did you grow in up a suburb? In yeah, I okay, grew up okay. here. Yep, okay. I'm one of those rare people who didn't transplant here to retire in my 20s. Yeah. Um, so I was in the computer lab in high school, and my computer teacher was like the guy who usually laid out the newsletter for the week, and he was like busy, and he's like, "Can you just do this for me?" I was like, "Sure." And it was so much fun. I just started doing it every week for him. I didn't know it was called graphic design. I was just like laying th- things out. I think it was, I was a sophomore maybe. And so then the next year I signed up for yearbook, not the same, not the same thing. Now I know. And then I also started, I think my junior and senior year, I did like all the playbills for our like musicals and theater productions and stuff like that. And so I started like being like, what is this called? And um, that same computer teacher was like, this is, I, I mean, technically it's graphic design. I don't know if you can qualify what you're doing is that, but like, <laughs> which I was like, not offended. I was like, sure. You know, I don't know. I don't know what Adobe is. Like I had no idea back then. Um, and so when I went and went and had to like make those big life decisions at age 18 about your career, I was like graphic design, let's just get in, get out of school. And so I went to a two-year school, which Um, all of my teachers had worked in the industry before. And I remember them always bragging like that they're better than the art Institute locally, because those are just like teachers in theory, not all of them have actually gone and worked in graphic design field before. So I remember always thinking like, okay, I'm getting a really good education. And um, so when I graduated, is this okay? I'm just kind of, yes, no, this is perfect. This is what I want to know. And I'm like, See, it's good to have teachers that are working, right? I hope. Absolutely. That, uh, anyway. Yeah. I mean, especially because I'm, I can look back now and be like, the fact that they even brought up that you should have a contract, like that's not necessarily common sense if you've never actually had a client. So it's like, it's interesting to think about things like that now. Um, so after college, I was like searching for a job and I ended up finding the job through a classmate of mine who was already working at this printing and direct mail company. And I came on, I started doing production stuff. He was there doing website stuff, which they didn't keep doing that. It was like a trial thing. And that business was like, we don't want to do websites anymore. So he left really soon after I got hired. And I was like doing all the print production work with the creative director over me. And then um, that turned into like a nightmare job because they did a ton of political um stuff during the political seasons and every time there was like candidates for anything locally nationally anything they were doing printing and so I kind of got tricked by the CEO I was young and naive into going on salary when my hours went to like 12 hour days and it was like it was brutal and and I was like that like my CEO always called me a rookie and um so he would do things like sent me to the gas station to get a fountain drink because he didn't want to drink soda out of a can. It wasn't bubbly enough. And so in my naive little brain, I was like, this is what being a graphic designer is like. I hate this. Like this is, I'm 
barely getting paid for like 12 hours a day. I'm going to the, to the whatever, to get this drink for him in the middle of a project where I was super focused. I have to just drop it and go get a soda. Like, this is just the dumbest job. Like I, I can't be a graphic designer. I literally thought these things like I, this is terrible. And so, um, it's going to come out in this podcast sooner or later, but my faith is really important to me. So I start, I actually met Jesus right before I got this job. And most of the staff at this job, including the CEO claimed to also be believers. So I was having a hard time reconciling uh, this, this it was faith like that you- I had just come into with this like nasty man who was treating me terribly. And, um, and so I started praying about a year into this job, like, God, how long do I have to endure this? Like, I, can I leave? Like, this is just a terrible, terrible situation. And I remember, I know Diana told you this, but like, I don't, I don't think that God, like, I don't like claiming God said this to me very often. Like, because I think there's some like tricky things with that claim, but I know that God told me you have to be there for two years. And so I was like, instantly, I was like, I'm just going to jump on this. If you're talking to me, I'm going to ask you another question here, like two years from today or two years from back when I got hired. And, um, he didn't answer that one. So I was like, come on. Uh, so I about literally about a year later, it was about 13 months later, my pastor emailed me and said, I hear you're looking for another job and you're not happy in your job. Um, which I didn't know how he heard that, but it was through my small group leader at the time. They were good friends. And I, I had been asking for prayer at small group. Like I really wanted a different job. And so um, he was like, our admin is leaving and our bookkeeper is leaving. If you're willing to like get trained on these things, like come do an interview and see if you want this job. And I wanted to get out of this nightmare was like, yep, I'm going to ditch graphic design. I'm in, I can be your admin. I know how to do these like medial tasks. Like, let's do it. So I went and interviewed, got that job at my church and I worked there for about five years. Um, and then towards the end of that five years, I got married and my husband was like, are you really going to work at the church your whole life? Like you can do so much more with your life, which I'm so grateful for my husband that God put him in my life because he's like been the biggest challenger for me. Like he's always telling me I can do more than I think I can. And um, so I got another administrative assistant job at an engineering firm. And about six months into that, I realized, oh my goodness, I've been doing graphic design for the last five years and I didn't realize it because all of my church graphics, I was doing it, but I just put it in the admin brain category. And so I realized, oh my gosh, I really miss graphic design. And so, um, did you realize that you didn't miss it until because you were still doing it? You just weren't calling it graphic design at exactly. the church. So right? I didn't realize I I would miss it when I left the church. Then I left the church and I realized because oh, your like, job your job at the engineering firm didn't have any of that kind of it marketing was front desk administrative assistant mm. for the whole office and of like two hundred people. And so I was like, um, zero design. And then I'm looking at my church graphics while someone else was taking over being like, ah, can I help you? Like, <laughs> um, and so I'm realizing, okay, I missed this. And so then, um, lovely day on the river, my husband, and I went kayaking for my birthday that year. And he's like, if, if you were to look in five years, what would you be doing? And I said, I would be doing graphic design again. He's like, so let, so what do you do today to like get there? And so I, I went to HR the, the next week and I said, 
I love this company. I love this job, but I'm going to look for a different one because I don't see any opportunities. This company doesn't take design super seriously. And so I don't think that there's anywhere for me to go here. They, she was like, we really want you to stay. There's this role coming up. I think you would be a good fit for. And I ended up going. Big for is it. this company at the, like, how big is this engineering firm? Is like 20 people, just, 200 people? It's probably around 200 at the time okay. total. And they have like five locations in the country. Um, but this was their headquarters here in Portland. Um, and so I started this marketing coordinator role, which was pitched to me that I would be able to do some design. I was basically registering people for events, not um, like uh, conference here, expo here, ship the expo banners, but I didn't design them. Like just this, all this stuff that I was like, this is not, not this is like torture because to you didn't get to do any. Yep. You were just, I just get to it. see all of the collateral go out. I'm not actually creating it. So um, at that time they were contracting almost full-time a design, uh, like lead designer He'd been doing their graphics since before I was ever hired there. He's always been their graphic designer on contract. They had started talking to him about coming on staff because they just, the workload was kind of picking up, picking up, picking up. He had been in his business for so long. He was interested in something new, what it would be like to be on staff at a big company. So he said yes. And I basically became his production designer. And I learned so much from him. Like I was doing, like he was farming almost everything out to me and he was just creative directing and um, then he would do very final tweaks and then call it done. And so um, that was a huge learning opportunity for me. But my boss came to me and he said, listen, this is actually not your job description. We need, you, we need somebody to like coordinate events still. Um, so why don't you start your own business and we will contract out to you to do production work, but we need to hire someone to do all this other stuff. And all I heard was you're fired. <laughs> I was like, okay. So, and so when was was this, how many years ago was this? Yeah. So this was 2018. So I still had no kids. Um, and so I went to my husband and I said, this is what happened. I got fired, but this is what their idea is that I start a business. I was thinking like five years down the road, maybe I would do this, but is this a good time? And so we, we weren't actually talking about having kids. Well, we had just started talking about having kids, but we weren't pregnant. And so I was, we both said, let's just do it now. Like then in six months, if it's not working out in a year, if it's not working out, I can always just go find a job. And so, um, had you quit. been entrepreneurial before, like as a um, kid ever? <laughs> so my first job was when I was 11, I wanted um, to go to the movies. And my mom said, if you spent your allowance, sorry. And and then I was like complaining, driving home from school. Like my mom got so tired of it. She's like, you know what? Just get a job. Like really sarcastic. <laughs> I said, fine, drop me off right here. And as we were turning onto our street, she dropped me off at the hair salon at the end of our street. And I walked in there and she's like, if you're not home in 30 minutes, I'm going to come look for you. And I went in the hair salon. I said, I need to, I need to make some money. <laughs> And, uh, and so the hair, the hair salon owner, she said, this is perfect. My sister-in-law used to live upstairs, but we're expanding the salon to use those bedrooms. So they're moving out. She used to clean every night. Can you come, come clean every night? I said, sure. So I came down, I cleaned their floors every night. I vacuumed like all the nasty hair and it took me maybe 20 minutes and they, they just paid me under the table, $60 a month. Yeah. Cause like, you're 11. It's not yeah. legal, right? Yeah. 
And so then I would, I would like make relationships with the hairdressers. So then sometimes I would get my hair done and just clean their combs for them and do their towel laundry and stuff like that. I would start trading them for products or like cute headbands, you know, whatever an 11 year old thinks is awesome at a hair salon. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, that was pretty fun. But um, I suppose I would deem that entrepreneurial. Absolutely. You were like, I want to go to the movies. Okay, lady, drop me off at the corner. I see an opportunity. Yeah. I I remember coming home being like, I got a job. My mom was like, (laughs) wait, what? (laughs) I was like, did you go see the movie that you wanted to go see? Oh, I have no idea. I was just, I felt like I was like the now the richest 11 year old in the world. And so I was like, movies, who cares? What other things can I do for money? <laughs> I remember my sister and I would take our red wagon around the neighborhood and knock on doors and ask them, did you drink any soda or beer today? Can I have your can? <laughs> That's very entrepreneurial. <laughs> yeah. So then we would all, my sister and I would drag that to the grocery store, put in all our cans. Cause it was, it was back when every grocery store had like, you could self-serve, put your can in the machine. Yeah. So we did some it's of those that. days, don't you? Yeah. Now um, you gotta do like, you? I don't know. I would now I would my take husband more just cans. puts them in a bag and he put, drops them at drop at the drop off and they count them for him. It just goes uh, into oh, but you get money. Thing. Ours we just drop off and there's no money. Oh yeah, Oregon up to, to ten cents. I know. I'm driving to Oregon with my cans, people. I'm yeah. just kidding. John yeah. and I always are like, how can we flatten them and then get them to one of these states that it's really ex- we can be making some money. <laughs> anyway, I do. You, I you do. fly here with a suitcase full of soda cans. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they're like, there's a. We're not going to be able to get this to go through because they're going to see get some sort of bomb. Anyway, oh. <laughs> I love that you were <laughs> you know, this aluminum uh suitcase full oh or something okay back to your story and not yeah. my crazy thing with the cans yeah so okay. then i that bit the first year of business was rough um not necessarily because of the business but because of personal stuff we actually um right during my two weeks before leaving that business that company i found out i was pregnant and we lost the baby all in the same two mm-hmm. weeks so it was like this huge roller coaster of like, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start a family. Just kidding about one of those things. But now I'm like emotionally wrecked and I still need to do the other one. So I'm like, it was, it was just a weird six months. And then very soon after that, we got pregnant with our first born daughter. And so it was just the first year of business was kind of me just like toying around. I made some money, but I, I wasn't trying very hard. And your um, main client was still the engineering firm. Yep. I contracted with them for 10 to 15 hours a month. So I always had some sort of income, which was a great way for me to start my business. If at all possible, I encourage everyone to just like, if you get given an opportunity, even at 10 hours a week, like just go for it, start your business because then you have a trickle of income at least. Um, and then that also gave me the, the opportunity to evaluate, like, how much do I want to charge other people? Because I felt like they were charging me pennies or I was charging them pennies um, just to get things going. So. Um, so then when did yeah. you decide that there was something more? How far into your business you were like, I, you start looking at story brand yeah. or you start reading or did you yeah. know about Donald Miller already before? Well, that first six months of my business, I was like binging content from tons of podcasts, tons of YouTubers. Like I was just like things about business, things about design. Cause I was like, like I need to make sure like I, I remember all the things that was in my education, like 
do I remember even how to use this software stuff like that I wasn't using in my engineering firm job, but that I would definitely need to use if I was starting a business, like all these different things. Do I remember how to log into WordPress? Like all these, you know, random things. I was just trying to re-educate myself about some things, just refresher courses, basically. And then I was, I started listening to your podcast at that time. Um, Donald Miller's podcast back then was called um, Building a Story Brand. Now it's called Business Made Simple. Um, I started listening to a number of other design podcasts and business podcasts, um, which I'm still subscribed to all of them. And I probably should read some out that I don't listen to anymore. Um, It's not mine, not mine. No, not yours. Um, But at that time, I thought that Donald Miller had something and it, it was definitely helpful to hear him give verbiage to how I was already processing things. Um, you and, saw a disconnect in what your clients were telling you. Yeah, absolutely. I started going to um, a meetup here in Portland and it was like basically creatives of all types of fields. Um, but a lot of them were graphic designers and the two women who started the meetup are also graphic designers. And so Every time at the meetup, you would kind of, they went in a circle. Everybody got to introduce themselves. Like it was not, it was not a normal meetup where you just kind of go. You can be a wallflower if you want to. Like every single person got to say, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I offer my clients. Um, And as I had conversations with designers in that group, I started to notice there was not a lot of strategy being done in people's design projects. And it was frustrating to me. Not that like, I thought they needed to change to like do what I was doing, but I just was like, your poor clients. Like, I feel like your poor clients are probably really floundering, trying to understand things. Um, and so at that point was when I, it was like around January at that point, Donald Miller came out with a seven part series where he did one episode on each part of the story brand framework. And during that, I thought I need to buy this book. Okay. I'm finally convinced. He talks about the book every episode. I'm just going to buy the book now. So I bought the book, read the book and thought, oh my goodness, I need to be a guide. I think I really need to do this. At the same time, a friend of mine who does SEO work had brought me on to do message development and some design stuff for one of their clients. And so I'm literally going to meetings like the day after I read a chapter in the story brand book and trying to like bring something to the table (laughs) because I've never done messaging before. I just, and I was really honest with them. I said, I've never done this before, but I'm happy to help. Um, And so every meeting I would just read a couple chapters, work through those things with them, read a couple chapters, work through those things with them. And it was through that process that I was like, I think this would be really fun to do for clients. And it's giving me the words to, to tell my clients why I made certain decisions that I made that I already knew, but I always fumbled through telling clients why Mm. I chose colors, why I chose this font, why I didn't take their advice that this should be orange or, you know, whatever. Um, Or that all of this text needs to be on one page. This is why I split it up. Like all of those types of things. It was giving me the words to be able to like justify those decisions that I knew for myself, but I didn't, I, I was always stuttering, trying to explain to other people. And so um, I did the process of like, it's pretty picky. Like you had to interview to be a story brand certified guide. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's still as picky as it was when I did that. That was in 2019 and it's rapidly changing in the story brand guide community. They have business coaches now and all these different things. Um, 
but back then you had to be interviewed. And so that was like a process. And I talked to a few local people in Portland who were already guides to just like ask if it was worth it, especially um, one woman who went when she was pregnant because I was going to be pregnant during certification. And like, I want to make sure is this going to be worth the investment? Cause it's a fairly decent investment. Um, if I'm and you had to baby. fly, you flied to Nashville pregnant, yep, right? It was pre COVID. So everything was in person. StoryBrand didn't used to do virtual events. Nope. And so you had to go to Nashville. So I sat through insane humidity um, in July while I was 34 weeks pregnant. It was not my favorite favorite place to be while pregnant. <laughs> um, but it was an awesome experience and it definitely changed my business for the good. So yeah. So I've been in business for three years, story brand guide. I'm going into my third year right now, um, being a story brand guide. So yeah. Okay. So I have oh. some questions, but I know you want to teach us something. Um, but I want to kind of paint this. I love how you said you knew it intuitively while you were designing this, but maybe you didn't always have the word. For me, StoryBrand um, helped put it into a flow that would, you know, they you're like, these are things that people need to hear and see before they would purchase or before they feel connected to yep. a client's uh, brand, whether that was a and, and this was what I loved about StoryBrand, that it could help somebody that was making um, nuts and bolts, or it could help a therapist. It could help mm -hmm. a doctor, a dentist. It could help a tire manufacturer. It didn't matter, yeah. but we need to tell them what we do quickly and you are, are building trust. And then they have kind of a framework and, um, or they definitely have a framework, but they also have a framework for even the, the website. And I think that that with the marketing made simple book was like, super amazing at, yeah. oh, I have it right here, but it, I was, it, I don't always buy the books. Like I usually, I buy the book and I listen to it, but um, yeah. Austin says, if you confuse, you lose. Yep, that's right. That's right. But they make things really simple and catchy that we can remember, like clarify your message, right? That's how yep. exactly. But I do love this book. The marketing made simple. If you are a web designer, there's a lot of strategy. Maybe it helps yep. other people yep. too, but I'm a web designer. So, okay. Do you want to talk, yeah. teach us something? Uh, so like Diane said, um, in all of the emails you might've gotten about this episode, I want to teach you about some questions to ask from the jump so that you have a clear strategy in your design. Because you felt like um, it, you didn't always have that. Like you didn't always have the questions to ask. Yeah. And I, I think that you could have a list that somebody else gives you, but intuitively you can't just ask one through 12 you have to like go yeah. you have to know where to dig in deeper yeah. right well and I I always remember before story brand I would hear terms like a discovery call and a kickoff call and a review call and I was always like what do I even say in those calls like I I I would sometimes let my clients steer things which is not great because they're looking to you to lead them through this process as their client, as my client, they don't know what design process should look like. And so I would always come in knowing that I should know what I'm doing, but not knowing what to talk to them about. I just like, here's what my design process is, but they don't care. They don't need to know how many pages of thumbnails I'm sketching. Like, but I used to tell people that I don't know why. Like, well, it's about validation, right? We're trying to make it them understand what they're getting, but yeah, they really don't the care. Value. Yeah. 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 But they just want the tires. Five pages of thumbnails. They don't, nobody cares. 
I just remember I've told so many clients that and then just look back now and I'm like, well, oh, well, learning experiences for all. As I prepared this and I like have my notes on the side for every slide, um, I can totally see myself just like motorboating through this. Like, so, so just be like, oh, take a break, take a breather. I have a question. So, and I will read the chat if you guys have a question. Um, feel free and I can interrupt her and ask. Yeah, that's great. Cause I turn the chat off because it's so distracting. Cause I'm going to read, I breathe it all. Right. So. Of course. Okay. So talking about the right questions. Um, first off, our client's goal is to get designs that help them reach their ideal audience and convert them to buying customers. Um, so even if you don't take on clients, like you work for a company as a designer, you have clients. So maybe it's just like another department coming to you for a project, or maybe run your own business and you do have clients coming in. Um, everybody who does design has clients. So even like me back when I worked for my church, my church was the client, even though I was a staff member. So just thinking through, like, maybe you thought this doesn't apply to me because I'm not doing these types of discovery calls or kickoff calls with people. You can still be asking these questions in those like more relaxed environments with your coworkers or things like that too. We are going to like help them get to this goal by digging into their message and copywriting. So hold on with me. I know we're designers. <laughs> Words used to scare me too. So if that's you, just bear with us. There's a reason for all of this. Um, it's really easy uh, to have a client just send us like all their photos, all their content, all their copywriting, and then just dive in and start designing. It's what we do. We like to make things look good. I, I'm pretty sure that you have a higher caliber of audience than just make things look pretty. Um, but even still, it, sometimes it can lack strategy and we kind of get halfway through a project and then our client is like, I, I don't like any of this, you know, and this isn't, this is not my company at all. Um, but I think what you said so, earlier is that you weren't always the guide in, in, or as designers, sometimes we let that client lead. They're like, this is what I want. Right. And yeah. I think sometimes if, if we're not clear about the goal, then, then how do we know they're not going to be happy at the end? I'm not going to be happy because it's not, it doesn't fit. It, it didn't solve their problems. So I love, I love yeah. that, that you said that no matter what you've got to get, figure out what they're, what they're, and they might think they've given you everything, but you still have some questions to get answered. Yeah, exactly. They might think, what could you possibly have to ask me? But asking these questions is going to help us produce more strategic designs. And I know that we all have our own design processes that we go through to get our final designs, but that's not necessarily um, what I'm trying to nitpick here. Like everybody keep your design process. I'm sure it's working for you. Um, but we want to get to the, like, how do we get to the start of that design process and be confident in where we're going to go with it. Um, and these questions are going to help inform that. So hopefully everyone's already doing kickoff calls or, you know, sit downs with a colleague before a project. If you're not, don't worry. It's a good time to start, start doing kickoff calls to, to launch a project so that you can get this footing under you before you do that. So um, a kickoff call is like the time to collect all of this information because you want it before you do even your sketches in your sketchbook. Hopefully everybody's sketching. That's a big thing that I advocate for. <laughs> um, not just going to the computer. So if I don't have some of these questions answered, I kind of mentally put projects in limbo, like AKA they're not going anywhere. <laughs> so 
these questions are really helping me start projects off. So you can be asking for in this kickoff call, like brand guidelines, copywriting, mood board feedback, you know, all those things are still great. Like keep your process, like I said. Um, but these are just added things to add in to that first layer um, before you dive into your design. Um, and like we've talked about, I offer messaging, but you don't have to offer messaging to ask these questions. They're informing your design. And so don't be intimidated by like, we're talking about copywriting today. It's okay. You don't have to write the copy. You just need to be able to really understand it and pull out some things. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So nail your kickoff call. That's, that's tip number one. So again, we're all designers. You might be thinking, um, why are we asking content oriented questions? I don't want to dig into it. Content. I just want to take it, flow it into a layout, flow it into a website. Um, but if we really want to be delivering high caliber, um, design work and strategic design work, and like we've talked, I mentioned before, like justify our decisions to our clients. That's why we need to understand our client's content, because when we are able to like go to our client and they see, we care about their business enough to understand it, to understand their customers, they're going to talk about us. What was the project's over? We're going to get referrals from that. If we give them design that is like not strategic, we didn't ask very many questions. We didn't seem like we cared about their business, their goals, their customers. They might never mention you to anyone. In fact, maybe they don't use your design. Who knows? And so um, we want to produce like really great reviews. So I'm going to share a raving fan review that I got because this is what we want from people. And that's why we dig into these questions. I'm sorry. I'm trying so hard to convince you guys to ask questions, but it took this to convince me. Like I had to hear it a hundred times, like that I needed to read the copy. So working with Naomi was not just a professional experience. It was personal. The entire experience helped us discover things about ourselves. That we never even realized those are the clients that are going to talk about you. So that's what these questions are going to produce is that type of a client. That's my hope for you. So I love that. Um, this is the thing. Don't let your clients derail your design projects with confusing copywriting. And that's another reason that we're going to ask a lot of questions because sometimes they just re like have verbal vomit when they're copywriting. Like they just can't contain themselves. It's really easy to get caught up in industry lingo. You've all heard the term curse of knowledge. Like we all know so much about design it's really easy to confuse our clients because we are just saying things that are obvious to us and they have no idea what a color palette is, like something basic. So they are the same for their industry, whatever industry they're in, they have the person knowledge. Shoot, somebody can talk about energy efficiency all day long and think it's like basic. And I'm like in la la land, like, I don't know, like it doesn't matter to me. And so um, it's really, like I said, easy to get caught up in industry lingo, too many details. And so that's when our clients derail their own project. And so these questions are going to help us bring it back, pull out that really good content for our clients and add that extra value in the design that you're able to say, here's why I highlighted this. That's why this is a pull quote. Here's why I made that a headline, things like that. So here's, there's a few important key important things about every project that you want to do um, to understand before you start designing. So those are the questions that we're going to go over today. We want to understand um, their customer journey, what, where they started before they heard about this client's company and where their client is once they've worked with the company. So we want to understand that whole journey. 
The second thing that we want to fully understand is what problem our client is solving for their customer. And so if you're familiar with StoryBrand, you know that they talk about three different types of problems, internal, external, and philosophical problems. And so we want to talk about all three of those today and how do we, how do we dig those out, not just through the content, but how do we help our clients articulate it? Because not every company has spent time articulating these things even for themselves. Um, and then the third thing that we want to understand is everybody's role. And by that, I don't mean yours. I mean, your client and their, their customers, what is their role in relationship to each other? And so if you're a story brand fan, I know uh, it sounds like Austin is, Diane, I know you are, you know that I'm talking about the guide and the character or the hero of the story that we're telling. So we want to identify those things. So uh, let's dig into those keys a bit more with the, these are the actual questions I'm asking clients in my calls. So write them down, screenshot them, whatever you want to do to save these um, pin this YouTube, wherever Diane posts this later, like, so you can come back to it. But these are the questions that I'm actually asking people on my calls with them. So the first one is the customer journey. We're going to start there. Um, and like I said, by this, we mean who is there before they buy, like when they're just shopping, if, say they're looking for a new dog treat. What is that first Google term? Like who is that person who decided that they needed the dog treat? And why, and why is that? And here's the thing is that this is a question you can ask for any industry. You could say, look around your room, every product in there, there is some question that somebody's asking before they decide to look for the best company to buy that lamp, that computer, that desk, whatever it is. So we want, we want to also understand where they are after they buy. So when I bought this desk, why, why did I decide on this one? Why did I decide that this was the best desk for me? Why did I decide it needed to go up and down? Why did I decide to go to this company specifically? So that's the journey. No matter the business, the customer is always on a journey from not buying to buying. Those are the endpoints. So what we want to understand is who they were before they found you, after they found you. So here's, I'm going to give you some examples of, of like sample companies so that you understand what I'm talking about. So we're going to stick with these three types of companies for the entire presentation. I hope I don't go too long. So for a car company, maybe the customer went from confused about what car is best for them to buy. And then afterwards, they're confident that they bought the best car on the market. So then a skincare company, maybe they went from embarrassed to go in public because they have so much acne to beaming with glowing skin. Or for all of us, a graphic design company could say that their client went from feeling dated and behind in their graphics to having modern or timeless engaging graphics. So do you see that difference where they were before they shopped, where they are after they worked with the company? Okay, so how do we get this information? Let's dive into the questions. Ask your client these questions. This is what I'm talking about. So screenshot, write down whatever you gotta do. What is the better version of your customer that you are helping them to become? So you are asking your client this. So say your client is that car company, you're gonna ask your car company, who this better version is of their shopper. How is your customer feeling about themselves before they used your product or service? And who will your customer become after they work with you? And so sort of a side note, you guys can ask these questions about your own customers too. If you're trying to redo your website to talk better to your customers, if you wanna like even think of, well, you could answer one of these questions and then write an Instagram post. I mean, this content is going to help you develop everything. 
Yeah. Okay. I have a question. So, so sometimes, you know, uh, I think about customers who have something that is new that people don't know that they need so that um, it's different if it's like a dog treat, right? Like, oh yeah, I'm going to get my dog a dog treat, but I didn't know I needed this tiny little scanner. So again, um, I think, I think all these are fine, but this is one I think that uh, stumps people. Well, because yeah. it's the education. They have to be educated yeah. about the thing first. It, would you handle that differently? Yeah, actually, the problem is going to be the thing that you pump up the most. Because let's see, is that the next thing? Yeah. So next, we want to understand external, internal, and philosophical problems. When we aggravate an, a problem for someone, even if they didn't know they had it, their brain says, oh, yeah, that's me. You know, like. Let me think of something I didn't know I needed. Oh, I didn't know I needed a sh- uh, like super thin shell on like to go running in the rain in Oregon. Like until my husband was like, wouldn't you like to come back from the run not wet? I was like, oh, there's a thing out there that can help me with that. Like, you know, like, and so um, it's aggravating the problem. I'm soaking wet after my runs that even though that wasn't bothering me, now that you pointed it out, it's kind of annoying, you know? And so um, for the car company, I'm going to go through all three of these external, internal, and philosophical problems all in one. So for the car company, a customer might have too many options to choose from. That's an external problem. That's a lot of options out there for, I mean, I live next, like close to a main street that is like covered in car dealerships. Um, And then internal, it leaves them confused. Where do I go? I don't know where to shop. And then philosophical it can be a statement like everyone deserves to be confident that they bought the best car for them. So like, do you see how all three of those things get, get pointed out? And so um, if you aggravate one of those things, even somebody who maybe isn't happy with their car, but they're not thinking about buying a new one. If you say everyone deserves to be confident, they have the best car for them. They'd be like, yeah, maybe I should go car shopping, you know? And so for a skincare company, Externally, the customer might find that um, a solution for their, they need a solution for their like intense acne, you know? And then internally, it makes them feel embarrassed to go out in public with no clear, without clear skin. And so for that skincare company, they might say something philosophically like, no one should have to be embarrassed in their own skin. It's pretty straightforward, you know? And so aggravating any one of those points somebody scrolling Instagram, seeing an acne ad is going to be like, yeah, you know, I've been living with this for 10 years. I should do something about it. You know what I mean? So then for a graphic design company, a client who has old outdated graphics, that's external. That's like the main, the main tangible problem. Um, but they're overwhelmed trying to update them themselves. That's an internal problem. And then philosophically, I could tell a client, no brand should have to fall into the shadows because they don't have design skills, hire a professional, you know? And so when you aggravate any one of those things, maybe somebody's not thinking about hiring someone, they're just dinking around in Canva on their own with no design expertise at all. And then they see, they hear someone say like, no one should have to fall in the shadows because they don't have design skills. And they think I don't have design skills. Am I falling in the shadows? And now they're interested, you know? So here's some ways that we can ask those questions for our clients. What are your customers dealing with? 
It's a really straightforward question, but it's not often something designers are going to ask for their clients. What do you want to be known for solving? So ask your client, are you solving the problem for, and they might have already thought this through. What's the problem your customers are dealing with as it relates to your product or service? All of these are basically the same question, but they're just different ways of asking it so your client can think about it a little deeper. Um, How is this making your customer feel? It seems like a basic question, but it's going to every time pull out that internal problem because people can live with an external problem. I can live with my junkie car, but the internal problem about feeling like I'm not the coolest one in the lot, that's why I go shopping. So the internal one is what's going to fuel somebody to actually go get a solution for their problem. And then philosophically, why is it just wrong that either of these two things are happening? Why should your customer not have to be burdened with this problem? Um, Does that help answer your question about that unknown product or service? Yes. I think it's, it's the, it's just aggravating that problem. Yeah. Like I have a tiny little scanner and I love the scanner. Like I love the scanner. It's a doxy. I don't get any money from doxy, but I love this little scanner because it's so portable. And I I didn't know I needed a portable scanner, but I have literally writing down doxy right now. I love it. It, It's, (laughs) it scans at 300 and at 600 DPI. And I can take it with me. So if I'm going, my sister is at my parents' house now and they're sending me all these photos. And that's why my mom's not here watching, I guess, because my sister's taking all her time. But anyway, so I would just scan in all these family photos at 600 DPI, right? And I could just scoot in. I can do multiples at a time. Um, and it's really easy and it's light and I can put it in my backpack. And to me, I didn't know. I just thought a scanner was this big thing that my light's on right now. Like I really don't even need the big scanner. I don't use the scanner on my desk very much. So this really solved, but I didn't know I need, I think people call it a receipt scanner. And I think I saw it in Martha Stewart living, um, which I thought was funny because she was probably in in jail when I got this Um, because, you know, receipts or something or whatever she got in jail for. Right. (laughs) But, but I, but I love having that little tool And it has made a lot and I don't use it for receipts. I don't even know if I've ever used it for receipts, but again, it's like, do you want to have a scanner? Do you, are you going to your family and, or do you often see something that you would wish you could have a better copy of this thing, whether it's a piece of art or whether it's a photograph, um, but you don't want to like, I don't want to take it from my mom's house. I don't want to, you know, but I, this, I can carry. It's like a little camera but better yeah. than a camera. Anyway. Yeah. I, I love it. that example. I love that example because that, that company could honestly just say, is your printer scanner confusing? And almost the entire population of the globe will say yes. <laughs> so I love that. That's so great. It's a great example. All right. So the next thing that we are going to talk about is everyone's roles in the transaction between the client and their audience. So what role does your client play as they lead their customer to buying? And what role does a customer play as they follow the client through this journey? So who's the hero and who are they and who's guiding the hero to their destination? And hint hint, it's not you as the designer, you're not the hero. It's not your client. Your customer is always the hero of the journey. And ironically, 
we like to think of heroes as like the big strong person who like gets it done and is amazing. But really, if you watch most movies, it's the guy who is strong and smart and wise. And the hero is leaning on the guy who's in the shadows for most of the movie until the end, they become this big, strong, smart, you know, winner. And so here's the example story brand gives a lot. Luke Skywalker, he's the hero. But Obi-Wan Kenobi teaches him everything he knows. But when we think of Star Wars, we think of Luke before we think of Obi-Wan. I mean, depending or on Yoda. How, how, Yoda's a guy yeah, too. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, those are some really good examples. I mean, every movie. We could just talk about movies all day and just pinpoint who's who. Um, and just think about this because you can do this for your own business as a designer as well. Who, who is the hero and how are you guiding them? Um, so let's talk about these questions because I know I don't, I don't think we have much time left. Um, so in the car company, they could say something like with over 50 years of being trusted member of the community, we've sold one in eight households in this town, their car that checks a huge credibility checkbox right there. And in that credibility is in the longevity of their business, 50 years, and it's an amount of community members who trusted them. So the skincare company could say, we know how it feels to be self-conscious in your own skin. That's why we created a product that works for every unique skin type. The credibility there is in that been there, done that statement. Like they know what you're going through. Um, so as a graphic designer, you could say something like, like, like my review in that first slide, you could literally pull out your client's words to speak to your next client. So all of the credibility comes straight from what's the saying straight from the horse's mouth. So you don't have to do a thing. You're just putting this testimonial on your website and people are like, Oh, like this person really trusted them. They had an awesome experience. I'm going to, I'm going to try it out, you know? Um, so let's look at this guide because that's what we're talking about this credibility are there empathetic statements that you can make to help your community members understand that you know what they're going through so the skincare companies then they're done that statement is a good example are there things that can help you to um, demonstrate your authority in solving their problem so a testimonial is a great way to do that have you been featured on a lot of podcasts that's a great way to show those show those podcast logos or say be as the as seen in as heard on whatever you want to do on your website um have you been in business for a crazy long time or how many clients have you had you know those stats are really good ways to show things they're not necessarily the best ways though because you can say numbers all day long um but if you're influencing a certain amount of your community members like those types of things are really impactful too um, let's see, is there another one? Nope, that was, that was it. So if anybody has a screenshot of that, there you go. Um, so let's talk about, this is the guy questions. Let's talk about the hero questions. How do we convince our customers that they are the hero in the journey as we're like leading them down the path to buying from us? So a car company could say to their customers are looking for a trustworthy place to buy a car. That's very true. If you're a trustworthy car dealer, then that's a great place to start skincare company, their customers are looking for a skincare solution that isn't a scam or that actually works. Um, a graphic design company, customers are looking for someone to deliver graphic design that isn't just pretty art. Or maybe they're looking for 
a professional that so that they can stop doing DIY design. Um, all, both of those things are ways to show them that they need to step into the journey you're going to lay out for them. So all of those hero type statements can be determined by asking these questions. What's drawing them to a business like yours? Essentially, what got them on Google to start searching for the best business to go to for whatever solution you're offering? What's the thing you hear from your customers about why they chose you over their, your competitors? That's a really great one to start highlighting in your marketing. That's one thing I think that we don't ask enough. Like we don't follow up with um, either in, do you, do you ask that question? If you were sitting down with a new client, do you ask that question at the end of the journey with them or do you, or, you know, after they finished, you finished the first project or do you like, if it was uh, somebody buying a car, do you ask them in their intake? Uh, if the car, the car company is like, you come in to buy a car, do you ask them, Oh, how did you find, how did, how did you choose us? Or do you ask that at the end after they've already purchased the car? Yeah. I think if you phrase it with, why did you choose us or how did you find us? Um, that's going to be a similar type of input, but a kind of different question. Um, and I would do that one at the beginning of the interaction. This one I might put uh, more as a feedback form at the end. So when I send at the end of a project, I'll send a client gift and then I send a, a project feedback form. And this could be a question that I have in there and I let them write their own review in that form as well. Um, quick tip. I also give them a link to Facebook. I just started doing this so that they can copy paste that same review that they wrote and put it on their Facebook reviews. Um, so does that answer your question? Yes. Okay. And then what are people looking for? So as it relates to your product or service. So for that skincare company, you could say that somebody is looking for something that actually works because there's a lot of skincare stuff out there. But what is actually going to get all of these pimples off of my face type of a thing, you know? Um, and what do they need in order to get that thing? So what is it that the, that the customer needs in order to get rid of their acne? They need something that works. They need something that's been proven. They need something that has actually been through whatever trials. I don't know. I'm not a skincare company. I'm really leaning up with this one. Um, <laughs> so... So I hope that that helps. Um, so like I've said at the beginning, what is, how do we apply this to design? Um, what does this actually have to do with us in our work? We've covered a lot of really like copywriting content related questions because you can, even if I would say, even if you don't directly ask your clients these questions, these questions will help you when you look through their copywriting, if they just send you a giant board document for their website, lead gen PDF, whatever it is they've sent you a copy. If you're asking these questions to yourself as you read it, even that is going to be really helpful to you. Um, so all of that um, in early career, I would have been crossing my arms being like, what the heck does all of this have to do with me? I did not sign up for copywriting, which is a super valid question. Um, so let's chat about how we apply this to design projects. Um, it might be a hard pill to swallow. But our job as designers is not to showcase our art. <laughs> our job as designers is still to do, to highlight the most important thing, which is the words. And if you're doing any type of design, it's generally categorized as marketing and marketing is the words. And those words are important, 
but without your design, often people will scroll right past the words. So your role is huge, but it's only so that you can emphasize the MVP, which is the words that get people to buy. So in order to know or knowing what brings that content to life is like huge. And all of these questions are going to help you do that for your client and add that extra value so that they realize you are being strategic and they're going to come back to you for the next project. They're going to recommend you to their friend who's starting their business. I'm going to go through some examples of my, a couple of different pieces of my own work to show you how this kind of gets applied in design. So Redemption Church, this is a mailing piece, exists to spread the, the fame of Jesus. This church teaches the Bible, it's gospel-centered, and it's multi-ethnic. So someone getting this piece in the mail who's searching for a new church, or maybe they're not searching for a new church, but they're just kind of unhappy at their old church, they are immediately going to know if this is the right fit for them. Because these points, this Bible teaching, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, spreading the fame of Jesus, all of those things are potentially answering the problem of things they're seeing that are missing in their current church or things that they're looking for as they shop around for a new church. Uh, so does that make sense? How that kind of gets applied? Absolutely. This is an ebook that I put together for, uh, I don't even know what, this is a company, I don't even know what they do, but they help people read their dental claims is one of the things. Um, so that headline of how to read a dental claim might not scream, I'm guiding you, but it gives everyone a really clear role. How to read a dental claim clearly tells you the author is in a place of authority and they're, they know what they're doing. You as the reader, you don't know, but the author is going to tell you. So it, it's not super like obvious. I'm guiding you here, but asking those questions is going to help you pull out headlines like this that tell everybody discreetly where their place is in this relationship. I hope that makes sense. And I wish I had my first one because that's my favorite one. Do you mind if I stop sharing and kind of yeah. bring that back? I think for me, when I heard about the defining the roles, I always thought that the company needed to be the hero and we needed to put the best light on there. And then when I learned about this, I started making, I never showed a frustrated customer ever because the frustrated customer looks like they're on our site. You know, like if I'm making a website, I never show somebody frustrated. So now it's like, this is what I want it to be. This is who I, I want you to be this awesome, comfortable, relaxed, but, you know, success, uh, relaxed and successful entrepreneur. I didn't like, uh, if it was a teacher or for a therapist, it was happy people that were being able to live their, their life and not like tormented by whatever their, you know, issue was. Yeah. Yeah. But I really like what you're talking about because I think, you know, the key is to have happy, smiling people on our websites to show like what a customer will look like. But I don't think it's bad to have somebody who looks frustrated, who looks confused, who looks upset next to whatever is at stake, which is those yeah. things that problems we're solving. So, you know, if it's a teacher who maybe the, let's go, let's go with car company. Let's stick with the ones I was doing. If somebody could say like, are you confused about where to buy the best car? Are you frustrated that you can't seem to trust any of the car dealerships in your community? Are you like lost in the sea of options? And next to that, or as the background, there could be a picture of just like 
Right. You know? And so like there's places for those, but I definitely agree that those happy smiling people are, are going to be the ones who are like, at the top of your site, you sh- I think when I'm doing this, I don't ever put a bad image, a negative yeah. image up top. Yeah. So with StoryBrand, they'll say, you know, here's the problem we solve. We keep you on the road um, because our cars are the safest and yeah. whatever. And then and then I, there's a couple st- statements and those things are transferable. They say you can kind of take the template and move it around. But there is a specific, like, are you tired of being confused? Are you tired of being overwhelmed? Then that's the place for that picture, another picture. Yeah. But it's not the first picture that you see because yep. I think if, so I think about it like with a dentist. I don't know why I always use dentists, but anyway, Smiles, so I think about maybe, <laughs> maybe but it's like um, you want someone to be confident and proud of their smile instead of having to like always keep their teeth together yeah. or whatever their lips over their teeth. Yeah. And showing a dentist having, I don't need to see the chair that I'm going to sit my, my lung doctor, this it's an empty waiting room. It's clean. It's an empty way. And then they show that table, you know, that you lay on with the plastic beat, not plastic, yeah. but the, I'm like this, this looks like a gynecologist's office. And I, this is not attractive to me yeah. wanting to come to a lung doctor. If Run you look away. at right. So it's like, I don't want to see somebody with jacked up teeth. I want to see somebody with this awesome smile yeah. at the dentist. I want to see somebody running at the pulmonology clinic, you know, not, not running into the clinic or running away. That looks like something bad happened to them in there, but that they're, they're able, their lungs are working it well yeah. enough that they can go Stand running. Yep. Right. Yep. And, and I think that, but that's the Google image for my pulmono pulmonologist is like an empty, a empty room that they sit you in. And then the empty waiting room one, it tells me, Oh, do you, nobody comes here? Like you have no customers? Like, oh, this is a trust factor. Like, yeah, yeah. and they're That's just like, oh, point. it's clean and it's new chairs. Nobody cares about your new chairs. I'm not coming here for your new chairs. Just like they're not coming to us to see our 50 sketches. Yep. You know, they're yep. coming to us to solve that problem. And I think it's good to see the process. Like, oh, well, first you'll go into this room and then you'll breathe into this thing. And then, but like when my dent, when the, the hygienist doesn't tell me what's happening. I'm like, Oh, what are you doing? That's not a normal sound. You know, like, why are you getting that tool? I want baking soda. You know, they, they need to talk you through these things and we need to talk you through them. And I think with story brand, they'll say on part of the website, you know, make it a three-step process. If, yep. if you have to, it's a four-step process, but if you can make it a three-step process, it, it takes away some of the fear, the scare of, and I don't believe I have to be, of course, if you go to my website, I'm on the top, but I don't think that I have to be that, that um, I'm redoing my website, but I don't believe that I have to have, I, I really, that's the thing when it's your own stuff. This is why it was really helpful for you to help me was because, you know, it's like, how can I show the people that I'm helping? How can I show them being in success? If it's clients and it's, you know, they're, their clients, I understand how to do it for their clients. It's a little bit harder as a designer knowing how, yeah. unless you're only doing dentist sites, then you show these awesome dentist sites and you have great testimonials from yeah. dentists. Do you have any yeah. suggestions on that for us? As designers? Yeah, like what yeah, we put. I, 
Yeah, I think that a great image for designers is is you working on your laptop, either at your desk, at a coffee shop, you know, maybe you are sitting across from a client and they are smiling with you. But I think your face is important because especially if it's just you, you're not working on an agency or something like that. Um, I think those are all really good options. Another thing I've started seeing that I haven't done myself, but I really want to when I have the time and energy is um, kind of like a B-roll going through of like, even if it's just images that are slowly moving in and out of you at your desk, you sketching something, you, you know, you could do your whole process, you, t- you meeting with the client, you know, and then somebody has kind of an insight into what it's like to work with you. Because when you have those types of pictures, they can, they get a feel for who you are. Are you super corporate? Like, is your desk like mm. insane, insanely corporate looking? Or are you sitting on the floor while you sketch, you know, like, those types of things are good insight into your personality, even though they're pictures of you, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Well, I had more questions. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I know we're out of time, but can you answer this one? How do you decipher from these questions what you're going to design? So Summit gives you organization of where you're going to put things. Um, from these questions that you're asking, not just the content that they've given, um, how does what these answers tell you? You've told us about the messaging, but like, say it's the car company mm-hmm. or the the skincare company. What would you, let's do skincare. So what would the you tell the skincare, like if they're like, I don't know what we need. Do we need, you know, ads, social media ads? Do we need a brochure that we're going to send to people? Um, Well, how do you decipher those questions and decide what format it should go in? Yeah, that's a really good question. First of all, I think most businesses need to be creating email lists um, because we don't own our social media followings. And if you didn't know that, let that sink in. You're, I, I actually have a friend whose account just got canceled for no reason at all. She lost all of her followers. I mean, and so, but she has an email list. So she got to email them all and say, here's my new account. Here's what happened. Stay tuned or whatever she did, you know? Um, and so that being said, I think every company needs a, a good lead gen PDF, a lead magnet on their website. So if they don't have one, um, I would look at those questions that those pain points, how can you add value that help answer some of those pain points and give it away for free? So maybe it's a guide or a worksheet or educational information. Maybe instead of a a PDF, you do a video series teaching something to your target audience. Um, But anything in exchange for that email is going to be really important. So if your client's not already doing that on their website or if theirs honestly is terrible, you can suggest, let's do a new one of these. Here's what I think we should do. Um, and you could even suggest titles for their PDF based on the answers to their questions. You know, if, if their problem is, I can't find a trustworthy car dealership, your lead generating PDF could be the 10 questions to ask every car dealership before you buy. I mean, it's you could just really easily pull out a title and say, once you write that, send me the copy and I'll design the PDF, you know, um, so that's the first place I would start is get those clients collecting people's email addresses. And I don't do this perfectly. It's something I'm literally just starting to do in my business, mostly because we tend to put our own businesses on the back burner. And so I, I will do this for my clients and then 
always push mine off. So I'm trying to prioritize mine right now and get it up. Um, let's see what else. I would also say that if they don't have a website, which is rare, but it happens, if they don't have a website, encourage them to create a website because this is how everyone is like, there's no yellow pages anymore. Like people don't go to the phone book to find a business. Everyone is Googling. Um, and so we want to make sure that you are getting into that Google search and people can find you in your city or wherever it is you're serving. So um, I know that those answers seem really basic and obvious, but that's for a reason because yeah. everybody needs those things. Um, yeah. You know, while I want to offer everyone branding, not everybody needs it. While mm. I want to offer everyone, you know, a brochure, not everybody needs that. And that's just because I love doing layout that's like printed things. Um, and so those things that everybody needs really are the website and that lead generated PDF, because when you have some new products come out, new services to offer, you want to be able to contact the people who are actually interested. So if somebody downloads the 10 questions to ask every car dealer before you buy a car, you know, that's a highly qualified lead because somebody's thinking about buying a car. So now when you have the 2022 things hit your lot, you send out an email blast and say, come check this out. Those people are like, oh yeah, I still haven't bought that car. I'm going to go check it out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So those email addresses are very valuable. Okay. So I want to make sure that everybody knows how to get in touch with you. And um, you have a couple other things that you're giving us some um, insight in that help uh, everybody. So you are, they can find you at Naomi. I never know how to say it's your last G. It's G like the letter of the alphabet. Okay, G. I was like, oh gosh, I forgot to ask you. Because it's three letters I should know. Okay, <laughs> Naomi G. I think I knew, but I could always mess things up. So it's okay. People G, say G all the time. So N-A-I-O-N-A-O-M-I-G-E-E dot com. So if you're right. following it, it's always going to be below. But I've also put in the link for the um, this episode in there also. So it's all there as well. So on Instagram, Naomi G design, but G is G E E. And yep. then on LinkedIn, Naomi hyphen G. So it's yep. super, super easy. But then there's the business made simple subscription and, yeah. oh, and then business made simple daily. And those are free tips. And then the business made simple coaching. Um, and then there's, um, story brand marketing, uh, live stream, which is what you went to. Yes. And yeah. I, it was awesome. And then, um, you also use Dubsado. So really quick, tell yeah. us what Dubsado is. And those links I believe are on the website. So if you, if you just yeah. uh, go to my, uh, recharging you.com and you search for it, Naomi G, uh, G E E, then it'll, I think you're the only Naomi that I've had on. So just Naomi and I think Portland, you would get it. Um, but these, these are links there. So, but tell them what Dub Sato does and how you work that. Yeah. So Dub Sato actually helps me organize my entire business. So I'm, it's like basically my client portals, my project organization. So when I have a new client uh, reach out to me, I send them my scheduler through Dub Sato, which in Dub Sato, the scheduler is still in beta, but it, it works perfectly for me. So I'm not sure why it's beta, but it is. Um, and so they schedule appointments with me and I can time block out what's available for different types of calls if I want to, so that if I only want to take calls on one day, I can just have that day available every week and, um, all of those types of things. Um, then I also send my proposals through Dubsado. So 
I have a proposal that's really well designed. I go actually through the storygram framework in my um, proposals and I like aggravate the problem to remind them why they're talking to me in the first place. Because a lot of people will get these in their email and they forgot that we had this great call two days ago type of a thing. Um, and so then I lay out my options for them to purchase. They can select them right there. And if they're ready, they can go immediately to the contract, which is attached to their to the proposal and sign the contract right there. And what I'm actually implementing next week is I'm connecting um, my payments. And so they can go and pay their first payment right away as well. So the whole thing is in there. It has like all my canned emails, all of my templates for proposals. I can create like an, a separate template for websites. I can create a separate template for branding. I can do all these different things that it's really easy. Once I'm off of a kickoff call with the client, I can just say, I'll send you this proposal in the next 10 minutes for a lot of people because I just am whipping it up really fast. In my proposals, I even have like visuals to like show people these are past projects that I've done that are similar to what you're asking for so they can see them. Um, so it's all really like concise and put together. So I basically, it's my business brain. And it is, there are forms so that it, you can, can send somebody to this intake question, right? Yep. Yeah. I have an intake, uh, I call it a project kickoff questionnaire. So one of my canned emails, when somebody first schedules with me, it automatically sends them an email that says, looking forward to our call. Here's a project kickoff questionnaire. Please fill it out to make like, it's part of the process of knowing if we're the right fit. That way I can make sure that I review that before our kickoff call, or I'm sorry, before our discovery call. And if there's something in there that triggers me that like, we're not a good fit, then I already know going in kind of where to steer the conversation. Or if it brings up questions about the project, I can go over those as well. Um, ideally, so that on that discovery call, I know the scope and I can go right into the proposal phase. And I also, quick tip, I have a question on my questionnaire that says, what is your budget? And it has a selection of ranges, not just like 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, but like 1,000 to 2,500. I have these ranges. So they automatically know if they're not looking to spend more than like $1,500 that I'm not the right designer for them. Mm. And they can quickly say, I'm going to cancel my call. Or if they mm. select that, I can automatically in the pickoff call say, you know, this is the range that you selected. Do you have a specific budget in mind? Because I want to know, are you at the bottom or the top of that budget? So it's going to influence how I propose to them. Um, yeah. So it's a pretty incredible software. Yeah. I have another friend who uses it too. And I, um, she, I mean, it's hundreds of questions that she uses it in it's part of the discovery. And so that she has them so that they've thought about them before, but really you can do them at any, so there could be 20 questions or 10 questions or five questions or hundreds of questions. And And I often actually send the questions I just went over with everybody in a form. And then we review it together instead of them having to think about it on the call, because sometimes it's the first time they're thinking about what problem am I solving? Or did this just sound like a cool product to me? So I started an Etsy store, you know? And so I also do my feedback forms at the end of the project. I send my feedback forms through Jibsado. Um, So I'm, again, back burner your own business type thing. I'm, I'm trying, September is kind of my focus on my business month where I'm trying to streamline all these new systems and things like that so that I can forget about emails and I can just send canned emails and make tiny tweets every time instead of 
having to rewrite something that's already already been written a hundred times. <laughs> so, well, Naomi, we'll just have to have you back on because I didn't get any really any of the other questions that I wanted to ask. So it's good. I'm really glad because I think you you laid a really good groundwork, and we di- I did get lots of questions answered, but I still have more and. I am always excited to talk to you. And I think I thank you guys for staying around. And I hope that it was uh, helpful to y'all. Um, for me and Naomi, we are story brand enthusiasts. She is a guide. I am not. But I, I, I really do believe that it has helped my business grow. And, and um, Naomi has helped me uh, figure out some things. So I appreciate it greatly. Thank you for being here, Naomi. And I will see you guys next week. Uh, My friend Jody Miller is going to come back on and we're going to talk about some things that her and I have been working on together. And now she's had some clarity, which is good. It's another Donald Miller thing, Um, but it's not Donald. It's not Donald Miller. It has, she does. I don't even know if she knows who Donald Miller is, but she's had clarity and he uses the word clarity. So I am just digging myself a hole. So Naomi, um, thank you so much. And hopefully I will see everybody next week. Yeah. Thanks everybody.